0: the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Buff Podcast. Not outclassed. Wonders en masse. Get it on Manchester when we're to the end of the game. The Buff Podcast. Hello
1: welcome to The Buff Podcast. My name is Mark Iles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. That is all the time wasting I'll be doing this week. I promise. I promise. Uh, this is the show that brings you all the week's headlines of Bolton Wanderers, chopped up into little tiny pieces and spoon-fed into your ears, you lucky, lucky people. Because on the buff this week, five grand, Wanderers pass a fixture milestone at Peterborough. Bus stop. Are the club really going to ditch matchday services? Emergency Ward 10, how many players are actually fit for Saturday? And Championship Manager, did Ian Evans really turn down three jobs last summer? But before we dive headlong into a pool of trotters, let's put out a quick reminder that online subscription to the Bolton News costs just 15 pence per day. And for that, you get all our Wanderers coverage, unlimited articles, a free app with no ads whatsoever. It's absolutely great. Even the website has fewer ads if you are a subscriber. And if you want to know what's happening in Bolton, sport or otherwise, but especially the football club, go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe. Support local journalism. Support this podcast too okay so let's introduce a man that's so dedicated to wanderers that he still employs night security to guard the mint penguins he keeps in the fridge it's henry hewitt henry how you doing
2: good thanks they do a stellar job um and they keep the jokes under wraps as well they we look at the jokes but they don't tell me so it's a surprise
1: yeah, well, they certainly don't supply them to this podcast, but such is life. <laughs> uh, yes, it's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting week. I tried to, t- to kill a bit of time at the start of the podcast. Not sure whether that will have come across, whether they thought the podcast was broke. But um, it's all been about
2: time wasting this week. And it feels a bit like Groundhog Day because it's not the first time. No, it's not, and uh, I've got to be honest with you. I wasn't. I wasn't at the match on Saturday. I was in Paris watching PSG at the time. I must have been the only person in that ground checking the Bolton score. Um, but uh, when I saw 0-0 with fifteen minutes to go, I thought, "Hmm, I wonder how much this the ball's been in the actual on the pitch in mm. this game." Uh, obviously, I then saw we'd scored and it was all good. But uh, it didn't surprise me when I read your report afterwards. Uh, it did not surprise me one bit that they were uh, skullduggery from our uh, friends at Cheltenham for the first 80 minutes.
1: Skullduggery, shenanigans, call it what you will, it was it was farcical. And at the time, the weird thing was uh, the stats as the game played. Normally, I don't know about you, but I like to keep an eye on, them. like maybe maybe the I follow stats or the uh, the BBC stats or, or wherever who scored. And, and it seemed like this, some of some of the sites were struggling a little bit, so you couldn't kind of make head and a tail of what was happening. But the BBC strictly maintained that Cheltenham had had more of the ball than Bolton, and it just felt absolutely bizarre until mm. you realise that they, they include Cheltenham having the ball when they've kicked it two miles into the stand or when yeah. they're, they're kind mm. of walking the other way to take a corner. So actually, when you look at ball-in-play football, Bolton had about 60-odd percent of possession – But overall, I think it was something like 47.53, which is a little window into how misleading statistics can be, I suppose. But I mean, overall, 99 minutes of football played, including stoppage time, and 47 minutes of that was actually on the pitch. I mean, is that really fair to the fans?
2: No, it's not. um, Because, you know, we're all paying to watch a game of football. We're not paying to watch uh, the ball boys run to about road Z in that stand behind the goal to try and get it. So, no, it's not fair, but it's just, like we've said it before, it's, I mean, it's a compliment, if anything, but also, I, I don't know, it's, it's what, uh, chances are, if we, you know, and I know Ian Everett is very um, adamant that we play football the right way, but if we go up to the championship and we're playing against, if that first game of the season, if we've got I don't know, let's say, for example, Leeds, Leeds at home, we're winning 1-0, a team that's just come down from the Premier League, then chances are we're going to waste a bit of time. So, you know, I I wonder wonder if in 12 months we're we're the other side of it, but for now, watching the Cheltenham game, the Burton game, some of the rubbish that goes on and... The, the ironic thing is, in both of them games, and in a lot of the other games where teams have wasted time, we end up winning anyway.
1: Joe, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm not really even approaching it from a Bolton point of view. I'm I'm here from from a football point of view that it really does. If you are paying twenty, I mean, I think it's twenty three quid to go and see the Peterborough game at the weekend. If you're only paying, if you're paying that sort of money for forty odd minutes of football, what is the point? You know, it's, you may as well pay a tenor on iFollow on and fast forward the boring bits because it, it it's absolutely criminal. Um, and, and yes, I agree with you. I, I mean, there's certainly times towards the end of that game and we saw Connor Bradley get suspended uh, for, for throwing the ball back. I, Ian Everett said he didn't, it wasn't time wasting. He didn't mean it. I'm not so sure. I think he was a bit daft of him to do it because I think he mocked to take the throw in and then turn around to... Uh, Throw it to to Owen Toll. There was other things. Jerome took it to the corner. I don't think actually taking the ball to the corner in that kind of traditional way is anywhere near as bad as some of the stuff that was going on with the physio, with players re-entering play when they've had a, a knock and then falling over. There's this thing that's driving me nuts with the head injury that's an instant stop. I don't know how you stop it. I don't know how you fix it. But they're all loopholes that people are finding. There seems to be so many now that you can very easily waste this sort of time. And it's a big weapon. And also, as, as Ian never very rightly pointed out towards the end of the game, it gave them a double jeopardy because they wasted all that time to keep a nil-nil to 80 minutes. And then once Bolton did get ahead, they had another 10 minutes of extra time to yeah. to get back into it. So it's like, well, is that Bolton's fault? Did, should they have to play another 10 game, 10 minutes?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's a it's the other team. It's basically gambling. Going okay, we're under the cosh for all the game. Chances are they're going to score, so we're going to actually give ourselves ten minutes at the end. It's I, I don't know what we do, Mark. To be honest, because yeah, we saw it against was it Plymouth, where the guy's mm. gone down holding his head, or when we're on the attack, and it's it's just uh, unfortunately the the football the authorities have allowed this to happen. With you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying. Because you know concussion in football is a big issue, and if someone's got a head injury, then yes, it should be treated. But this is the thing: is that I don't know if you, I don't, if you if you bring in not a simbin, but sort of they've got to be off the pitch for five minutes. You know, if if they go down with a head injury or something mm-hmm. like that, I don't know. It's it's got to be it's got to be sorted. Where if you've a legitimate injury, then. It, that gets addressed but if not then you, you can't be cheating like that and that's what it is it is it's cheating but it's cheating within the rules
1: well i wonder I, I watch quite a lot rugby league and when a player gets injured off the ball and, and play progresses they they very rarely i mean obviously for certain things they stop the game but often you'll see the physio running behind play sit deal with the player i wonder whether that could be introduced where the fourth official waits for an opportune time for the physio to be able to run on and treat the player and the play continues. I mean I'm not saying, you know, you can play a one two or anything like that. He'll get involved in any way, shape or form. But normally speaking, the players moved away from where the player's injured. Um I just wonder whether that could be factored in.
2: Yeah, maybe. It's um you know, I, I think it does need addressing, so anything to anything to sort it would be uh you know, would be would be good, but um yeah i think mean, we've seen it so many times this year it's not a coincidence you know a lot of teams are doing it mm. a lot of teams are um you know are, are, are looking at these situations and and it it yeah it does break up play it makes it awkward and it's I'm just, yeah, I'm sick of it and we're all sick of it. But well, again, stronger like referees.
1: I said... needs stronger referees. That's the problem. I mean, the guy who was in charge, um, Sonny Gilsing, or Sonny Singh Gill rather, uh, who was in charge at the weekend, it took him 30 minutes, I think it was, to get his hand in his pocket to produce a booking. And that wasn't for time-wasting. The only booking given for time-wasting uh, to Cheltenham was Ben Williams. And that was halfway mm-hmm. through the second half. And anybody who watched that first half will will see how much they killed in that first half. It was crazy. It was like watching. It wasn't football. It was like watching some type of performance art. It was strange yeah. what was going on. Um, and then they managed to just put three minutes on at the end of the first half, which I will never understand in my entire life. But if the referee cracks down on that on the first or second instance, it doesn't happen as as regular. And you and he sets a pre- he sets a precedent. Nobody does it. I don't think if the referee is giving out cards in that first half for the walking the other way when a corner's taken or that kind of thing I don't think Connor Bradley gets a, a, a yellow card in the second half when Bolton go 1-0 up because that precedent's no. been set.
2: Yeah, um you know I I I agree with that and I think the fact that Connor Bradley got a booking right at the end was a was a joke to be honest because you know I, I mean i haven't seen the incident so i can't comment on how long he, he did waste but if it's, you know you've got to take it as it's got to be equal and quite frankly if you've wasted if you've waited 60 odd minutes into to book one of them and they've been doing it all game then you've got to yeah i'll go up to kind of bradley and say listen can you just pack that in yeah. but don't book him you know yeah. i think it's uh, and now for bolton it's you know, it's a situation, and I know that you know the referee doesn't know that Conor Bradley's on nine bookings, but we've lost him for two games because of something that what could have been avoided. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, Carl Dempsey has uh, come to the rescue again. He seems to be doing that quite a lot recently. He's had a a great start to the year. Has been a difficult week for him. We know that the legal issues that he's got along with his father. Um, were he was in court on monday that's now been um adjourned or, or forwarded now to the start of march when he'll be able to enter a plea and etc etc et we won't go too far into that because obviously it's an ongoing case but um a difficult week for him and i think you could see that potentially in some of his celebrations i think you could you could see he, he was he, maybe not as joyous as as he possibly would be but he's becoming a really important player for bolton
2: yes he is and i thought his goal he took it very well um on on saturday um and yeah he's he's this is but you know this is what we've said all season this is what we said actually since last january is that yeah. when he gets a run of games he will be a good player for us and he's not had that and now he is having that and he's showing his quality and i think for him um Morley and then leo or in in the middle we've got a very good middle three there mm. um who are all uh, attacking minded, all very good passers, and uh, and yeah, we uh, we we're, we're very lucky in that position. Uh, I mean, we're lucky that we've not got any injuries in that position because I think the rest everywhere else we do. But um, but no, yeah, Dempsey's uh, becoming a top top player, and he and he's someone as well who I know he's not played much in the championship and higher. But if we do get promoted, the way he plays, I think, could suit the championship as well.
1: Yeah, he's got that kind of dynamic nature about him, hasn't he? I think he, gets, uh, he puts in a lot of yards. I certainly wouldn't like to try and keep up with him anyway. No team has taken more points in 2023 than Bolton Wanderers. And yes, I know some teams haven't played as many games, but I don't care. It's my statistic and I'm going to use it. Uh, Bolton flying at the moment. Not that you care, in your, your PSG kit and watching the horribly uh funded evil club as far as i'm concerned but uh, you know if, if you've got no morals that's entirely up to you henry if that's the way you want to watch your football that's fine um can you just just step off your uh, gold-plated pedestal for a second and, and comment on, on the uh,
2: the lower beans uh well yes i can it's, it's nice for me to uh you know just check in on on the smaller clubs the the lower leagues so that's why i went to watch psg on saturday um but uh, but no, it's um, we've done so well this year already, and I think the biggest thing for me is the way we reacted to that derby defeat. Um, yeah. You know, we we played Forest Green just after it, and obviously we all know what happened in that game, and we got the win in the end, and we've uh, we drew against Plymouth as well, and and these little setbacks that we've had, we've actually um, we've, we've dealt with them, mm. and I think that that's such a a positive thing for us. But um, yeah, I I just think that we uh, we we've been showing, and as well, I think the the big thing is the fact that we're not conceding goals as well. Is that if you know, I think Big Sam once said, if you don't concede a goal, you guarantee the point, and that is true, and that's what we've been doing. But we've also been scoring, and yeah, it can get frustrating at times, especially on Saturday. But we we eventually. Um, you know we eventually get there in the end so it's uh, we're looking healthy we're looking healthy going into a big last few months of the season and I'm uh, I'm excited
1: Healthy in the new year if only if only uh, Right oh. OK I don't mean to brag but there's been a lot of headlines out there this week Henry remind me of a couple of them please
0: News
2: well, a lot of these are coming from the AGM, um, which uh, I watched last night because of the link that Supporters Trust sent out. So, so thanks where, for where them did you watch that
1: from, Henry? Was it Jordan or Kuwait? <laughs> where, where in the Middle East were you watching that one from?
2: No, it wasn't the Middle East. It was Costa del Salford. I oh, was right. uh, watching I, I got a bit of sun. Um, but. Uh, it was an interesting listen and there was a lot of stuff that was, was brought to the table. Um, the first one being about the, the buses to the grounds. Mm. Now, uh, somebody asked the question about, I think it came from uh, people parking near the buses, um, but it's, from that has come Neil Hart saying, not many people are using them. They're a legacy from the Burnden days, so they are addressing it. I mean, I know this isn't something that necessarily involves you, Mark, because you know, you don't leave the ground till six o'clock, so the buses are gone. But what do you think of this? Is this uh, would it be a smart business decision to to get rid of them, or or do you think that it could have a detriment to attendances?
1: It's a very, very, very difficult one. Very difficult from the club's point of view. As as Neil Hart highlighted, the numbers have dropped uh, overall. I think they're looking at the low hundreds, about. 250 300 people at the moment using these buses and it's costing to put the eight different services on uh, tens of thousands of pounds now all that's a little bit vague obviously something more structured and exact will have to be done before they do anything and that's why they're having the consultation but from from the club's point of view i could i can see financially why you would look at different options and they're not saying listen, we're just going to tell these fans they're going to be a marooned in the middle of nowhere. But people, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll address the fans a bit in a minute, but they're, they're basically saying we're looking at op- other options. So, the, so for the supporters, uh, particularly the non-driving supporters or the elderly supporters, these buses have become habit. And they're not they're not cheap either. I mean, they cost £7 for a single, mm. um, which is daft and £7 for a turn as well. But it, it, I mean, the price there, I have to say, you know I, I use i use the buses and it costs 2 pounds to get anywhere now in a single on public transport and it has always baffled me how bad public transport is to a major stadium like that and to a major shopping place like that middlebrook there is barely any bus service uh, regular bus service it's it's awful uh, for for any of the just the like towns etc so I think that's something that, that in the wider scheme of things needs to be addressed and needs to be looked at and that might that might help things along. But from a fans point of view, I'm not sure Bolton Wanderers want to be cutting off a section of fans, be it two fifty, be it three hundred. You know, there are there are people that have probably already signed up for a season ticket who now are finding they can't get to the game next season if they chop off the bus service. So mm. it's not it it's not something they can just click their fingers and do i know the supporters trust are involved deeply they're working extremely hard to find as many different options that are viable it hasn't been easy there's been various uh, organizations that are involved that have changed the structure and, and and so it's it's it. i mean this has been in the pipeline for a few months um and to be honest from my point of view i've kind of let it let it run because i was hoping to bring good news rather than bad news eventually. Uh, because obviously when Neil came out in the meeting and said, hey, no, we're, we're thinking about stopping it. That's the first, that's the only thing people think. It's like, oh my God, the buses are gonna go. Um, what's What's actually happening is for the last 12 months, they've been looking at viable alternatives. And now I think what we're in now a 9th of February, they've probably only got another couple of months before they have to find something for people before before the start of next season, so things are starting to get a little bit more urgent now. And the, you know they, the supporters, trust, as I say, are working extremely hard, but it's not an easy one. And all the way back to Burnden, you know, they made that promise to the supporters when they moved out of the town centre into you know a peat bog six miles away, <laughs> which was awful to get to and remains awful to get to unless you're in a car and on the motorway. Um. or on on the train, but we know what the train's like at the moment. Um, So, you know, they made that promise, we will get you there, we will do these services, we're going to bring you from your walked-ins, we're going to bring you from, you know, Lees or or Braitmots or wherever it might be, Kersley's. So, all the different satellite towns, there's so, so many people who would have been, uh, have been going to Burnham Park since they were knee-high to a grasshopper, um, who will have been using these services. I think, just to add one more point to stack up the points here that advertising of the service is abysmal mm. i I wouldn't have been able to tell you how many there were I, I, I downloaded the um, the booklet the other day, only half of it downloaded, and I put in my first story that there were four buses. <laughs> Um, so I actually, somebody wrote to me and said, Hey, there's eight. So I had to reel out, reload, reload the like, Oh my God, there really is eight. I can't believe that. I've never heard there was eight. So, I mean, I, you know, I've, I, I, haven't seen, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of talking in a, a biased fashion, but in the olden days, they used to advertise these sort of things in the local paper, um, yeah. or, you know, in the, the supplements or whatever that we did or anything just, you know, even putting things out on social media. I think that nowadays clubs think because we put stuff out on Facebook and social media, that's all they have to do. And unfortunately, as you know, for, for me and you, that's great. We we live on it. That's that's how you grow up. But there's a great big section of people that don't do that sort of thing. And so they're, they're completely in the dark about it. And that for me is is one criticism of across the board is that, that there is too much reliance on what we said on social media
2: yeah um no i i do agree with that like i have i've looked into it because there's one that starts near me in pendlebury and when i looked at it it said um it starts from the windmill which is a pub in pendlebury but it's on a it's on a busy road and there's no bus stop next to it so i'm like well where like it is they don't there's no help with that you know there's no um You know, because obviously, if you want to get the bus, if you miss that bus, you ain't going to the match or you're getting a taxi. So, you know, I'd be, as you pointed out, I'd be lucky because if I didn't catch that bus, I'd just walk home and drive. But there's a lot of people that don't have that luxury. So, yeah, they do need to make it more, um, you know, I I mean, the prices are the prices. I I I don't know. Like you said, I I thought the going rate for a bus was about £2, £2 £2.50, but that's maybe showing... uh, I, now that I'm watching PSG, I may be out of touch with reality because I don't get the bus. <laughs> but um, but uh... It costs you
1: £5 a matter If you wanted to travel all day on the buses, you could do it for £5 nowadays. On, on the, your normal Greater Manchester buses. Now, obviously, mm. this is Tyras. This is a private company. I accept that it's not going to run parallel with that. They have to make it worth their while. But £7 is still very, very expensive when you consider a lad with... You know, a, a a lad taking his two kids—that's twenty-one quid to get mm. there and back. You may as well jump in an Uber.
2: Yeah, no, that's a good point. So, yeah, it's um, the thing is, and uh, the, of what I got from Neil Hart, the club probably don't actually want to deal with this. They don't want; they would rather not have to deal with it. They'd rather everyone just get to the ground in their own way. But as you as you said, it's not as easy as. Like when it was at Burnden or where the grounds that are in the centre of towns, it's quite easy because you just get the you get the bus to Bolton mm-hmm. and then walk over. Whereas now it's not as easy as that. So the club, I think the club need to give a bit as well. But at the same time, as I said, I, I don't think they actually of all the stuff they've got to deal with, and they pointed out in the AGM that there is a lot of stuff that from the uh, previous era that they're still dealing with. Mm. Um, a bus route is is probably not really what they want to want to have to do but anyway we'll uh we'll leave that to uh next season we'll see what neil hart does um and whether he, he does continue but something that will be here next year and this is something that i was extremely excited about is bolton Wanderers tv mm. well
1: they've you, said it now haven't they they've got to do it
2: yeah we we've been talking about this haven't we so uh i mean what what do you think would you think this do you see a role for yourself? Could you be a? Uh, could they be on Bolton Wanderers TV? Uh, uh, could the buff be on there? The buff, li- you know, live streamed <laughs> podcast.
1: Um, well, they've got my number, um, but uh, yeah, I always, I always said you couldn't pay me enough money to work for Bolton Wanderers, so I'm not, I'm not entirely sure whether that would necessarily meet with their, uh, their, their image or criteria. Um, yeah, I mean, we've obviously this is something that a lot of clubs do and right across the board. I mean, Crawley do their own TV channel right up to what we've seen this season with people like Plymouth and Derby and Charlton do it really well. I was very impressed with Charlton, actually, the other day. Their, their pitch side production mm. was really good and um, I think I made the comment on Matchday Live that it'd be lovely to see Bolton have that sort of thing where you can bring in different things on the touchline and talk about them and have little interviews and such like with people it just makes it feel a bit more alive the actual event itself um so yes i mean it looks like you're going to get a big revamped website they've been looking to get away from the efl template for absolutely ages Uh, that's a good thing it looks like they're looking at um uh, doing the pre-match stuff a la charlton or a la plymouth um and hopefully some stuff during the week as well I don't know if you remember, but Pete Smith Pete Smith used to do a bit of uh, bit of Wanderers TV back in the day with, uh, with yeah. stuff from the training ground and things, and that was always good value. It was always worth watching. I'd love to see that sort of thing happen uh, more often, whether I like it or not, whether it affects me or not Um you know, clubs are becoming their own media entities. They are taking charge of their own personalities and and, and outputs on this sort of thing. So that's um, all power to their elbow. They're putting out some great stuff at the minute. Marcus is doing a cracking job. Um, I noticed he's opened his his new uh, his new company this week as well. So it's only a matter mm. of time before that first million comes raking in, Marcus. Um, mm. And they've got some, you know they've got they work really really hard. The one thing I will say is that that Bolton TV would be a big venture as in as it stands <laughs> i'm pretty sure they're going to need more people because they uh, they they are stretched in as it stands um on the output so it's great having all the technology and i do a 100% thumbs up um to the idea of bringing all this in but they do now have to need some more people in the building <laughs> to do it mm. the actual the actual folk
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, and this is my only concern with it, is that as great as it it is, and don't get me wrong, I've watched the the Charlton footage, I've watched the Derby County, what they do, and Plymouth, and it is actually really good, especially for League One. Um, But it's got to be done right. You know, if Bolton do this, and on day one of next season, or the first midweek game when they can show it live, the stream's cutting out um you know like and all there's all technical difficulties and it's just a bad product people are going to be upset because you know as i follow does have its faults but at least it, it, i mean it i guess in the league 2 season it did have its faults and it weren't working for a little bit but for the majority of times since then I've, I've not had a problem with it yeah so yeah. that's the, the the thing is is that as fans you want to watch the match and if if that's what i follow do then that's what they do. Uh, you know, I think Derek's a good commentator. So um, Very good. Very good. so I think that's a good product as well. So you're going to have to either speak to Derek and try and post him from Bolton FM or whether you um, get a new commentator. You know, you're going to have to have someone who's a good quality because as we know with Bolton fans, if there's something not right, they will they will go on Twitter and they will voice the, their anger at it. And that's the... Um, And that's the thing with this, but but at the moment it's very exciting. It's um, it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to having that sort of yeah that brand Bolton. And uh, about saying that, you know, I know you said there that clubs are wanting to sort out their own PR and their own press and all that. They will obviously still be a place for independent. Uh, journalism from the club which obviously we do well you do not me but uh, we do it we do it in fairness <laughs> uh, and other podcasts do and other publications do so there is still a place for that but but if Bolton's as you, they do a stellar job as it is but if it, they can get more people in and do an even better job then I think it's, it's good for everyone
1: yeah there's loads of room for everybody On ter- in terms of po- poaching um, Derek Clark, by the way bottle of buck fasten and an iron brew bar I think would be uh the the sum total of whatever you'd need for that one that's it
2: i I think they could poach anyone with that (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, go on give us another line uh well this is a this is the last thing really from the um from the agm and this was an interesting question posed to uh ian ever thought but um it's not really one that we've been wanting to think about really the thought of us without james trafford but it is coming um, but Ian, uh, Ian Ever has said that the, uh, the search has begun um, for James Trafford's replacement.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's no, no massive surprise, is it? Because you'd argue they might need two goalkeepers next summer. Um, mm. Trafford's been absolutely brilliant. Spoke to him after the game on Saturday. And... You know, he's obviously thinking about it. He's obviously kind of looking towards that and his next step. He's been in contact with City very regularly. They're very happy with what he's doing, but they keep right on top of him. And that's very, very clear that they want to see him improve. They won't let up at all. Um, and if he's to go back as number two, by the way, as as Ian Everett suggested at that AGM, um, I mean, it would be a hell of a thing for him. A hell of a thing. Yeah. So it would be, a, a, I'm sure... I'm backing him to do it. I'm sure he can do it. Um, he's had a cracking season. I hope, I mean, speaking to him, he said, you know, I I, I always love this place. I'll always keep in touch with the lads. It was, uh, it was a lovely thing for him to say, but he said, I don't want to go without winning something. He said, you know, if you'd have said at the start of the season, I might get to Wembley once, let alone twice, then I would have taken it, but none of it matters unless I win something. and, that's the kind of attitude he's got. You can see he's he's a diff. He's different gravy. He's different gravy. Um, you can see he's got something. Uh, he's got something about him that's going to make a very 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 good player. And uh, you know I, I'm sure we'll look upon him proudly in the years to come when he's England's number one or City's number one or he's getting whatever top level football that he gets because uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it's in his future.
2: Yeah, he's. Um... Yeah, I don't think there's anyone at this club that has a, a bad word to say about him and I think that's been the same since when he came in last year and, uh, you know, and I think he had a... Was, did he have the record for the most clean sheets from a, from a debut last yeah, year? Four, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. and now he's got the record for most clean sheets in a row at home and he's... Yeah, it's... Uh, I think we've, we've been lucky to have him this year as well and I think um, that is a... For me... There are some issues that we need to deal with in in the summer, certain positions and all of that, and we'll cross that bridge in, in a few months. But the goalkeeping one is a definite one because, especially if we get promoted, because you know obviously we've had a conversation about Dixon and whether he can cut it at this level, let alone a championship. But for James Trafford, he's going to be a massive miss, mm. and the type of player he is as well. The type of player he is is a top Premier League player, mm. so mm. we're going to have to. Yeah, another one.
1: <laughs> yeah, and as as for people that might have a bad word to say about James Trafford, the entire first-team squad, it would seem, if you've seen that TikTok where they ask uh, which uh, which lad would you least like to live with, Traff got quite a few mentions. Hmm. <laughs> one, I think, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Izzy. It might have been uh, Ricardo Santos said he lives in a freezer. So, hey, <laughs> I don't know what oh, that right, means. Well. But I'm, uh, I've probably done myself out of a, a house invite there anyway. Let's <laughs> have another headline.
2: Yeah, well, the, the way he's going and the amount of money he's going to be earning, I'd like to live with him one day. Um, uh, right, well, this is uh, looking ahead to Saturday. Obviously, we'll talk more about the Peterborough game um, You know, at the end of the podcast. But Bolton are going to be down to bare bones, Bradley suspended, as well as Kachunga. Um, they've, they've been saying that we've got a great squad and now it's, it's time to prove it.
1: Yeah, I mean the Bradley one, as we we pointed out earlier with the the booking coming along as it did, really kicked him between the legs a little bit I think because he has been a talisman. It's been very difficult to imagine a Bolton team without him and how you replace him is is very much a million dollar question we'll maybe dig into that a little bit later on but they've quietly started to amass a few injuries. Ian Everett dropped one in last uh, week in his club interview. He didn't actually tell us upstairs when we talked to him um, as the local press, but MJ Williams has got an injury. He's gone away to get some, like a a foreign bit of bone, a bit of cartilage just removed. Um, It's only going to be two or three weeks out, but again, that's another man down, as it were. Uh, You've obviously got the likes of Bovarsen and Iredale going round. You've got people coming back from longer-term injury. Thomas and you know, is, isn't is far away. Randall Williams is coming back as well, maybe this week, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of things up in the air at the moment. Um, and, you know, they can't afford much more. I would have said uh, it really is bare bones. I mean, it was so bad on Saturday. They actually had Joel Dixon on the bench, hmm. which, which does say something. Nelson Cabernet as well, uh, made the bench, of course, uh, one of the, one of the B team regulars that we've been speaking about recently. Um, so, I don't think they can afford much more, to be honest. And as you say, there's certain departments where you just don't want to see anything happen. Centre-half would be one of them for me at the moment. And that central midfield three as well, because that feels like the foundation of, of what's been happening.
2: Yeah, it does. Um, you know, and I... Yeah, I think... Um, you know, somebody put out a a predicted eleven yesterday on Twitter, and I looked at it and thought, mm, it's not a bad team actually. So no, maybe no. we do have a good squad. But but yeah, you you know, like you said, there there are certain positions like Trafford's another one. that If they get injured, we're in trouble. And I think defensive, <laughs> you know, centre back. You know, with Johnston not there, we can't really afford another one. Um, and and also I think up front as well because. You know, I know that Jerome came in the other day and a lot of praise was given to it, the way he was on the pitch and he's talking to people. Um but, you know, with Unlunderloo not playing with Kachunga, I know it's his last game of his ban, I think, so he'll come back. But yeah. say Charles got injured or um out of the Asia, well, then yeah, we could be in trouble up there. But um yeah, it's a, it's a it's getting to a, a another time of the season where we're playing Saturday, Tuesday. So we can't really even afford more injuries or suspensions. Uh so it'll be interesting on uh on Saturday because it's gonna be a very tough game and I think uh the the lads are gonna to have to put in a shift, a real shift. So if the you know the we hopefully we can all get through it.
1: Well we'll pick a team later, but I, I think I think Saturday will be their toughest game of this year so far. We've had some tough ones, but I think Peterborough, the way they're playing, the way they've improved, uh, yeah, I'm I'm gritting my teeth and, you know, if you hand me a point now, I'll be more than happy. But let's have let's have a bit more headline.
2: Uh, well, the, the match on Saturday is actually Bolton's 5,000th game uh, ever, you know, league game, which is an amazing feat to have. I think we're the fifth team to do it, which tells me that we've probably spent more time in a, uh, a top division with less teams in it than the rest of those yeah. teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, I guess the the founder members are all going to be having this sort of, um, you know, this sort of accolade coming their way. Aston Villa and Everton will probably be a few years yet before they get theirs, because they've always been in the top division, really. Mm. Um, but for Bolton Wanderers, I guess it's this famous old club. Are, uh, just little things like this remind you how, how long we've been going.
1: Yeah, it's a cracking accolade, isn't it? 5,000 games. I, I spoke to Simon Marland Yesterday, as we recorded this on, on, on uh, Wednesday, and he said, I'd rather the, the thing hadn't come along because it means we'd have been been in the Premier League a little bit longer because, uh, as you mm. say, playing 38 games a season in the Premier League is different to playing 46 from, for the most part, or 42 in the olden days in outside. So, um, still 70-odd games. Uh, top flight seasons Wanderers have have had in their history it's, they've still played much more top flight football than they have outside it so that's something to aim at something to get back to but yeah it's it was interesting looking back on the, the games the, the landmark games everybody knows the first one against Derby County and, and Kenny Davenport scoring that first goal Uh, The 1,000th one was in 1922. They got beat 2-0 by Chelsea. Uh, 2,000 was a 4-2 win against Newcastle United, where Harold Hassell scored twice, Nat Lofthouse scored and Willie Moyer scored. Uh, 1976 was 3,000, beat Leighton Orient 2-0, Paul Jones' penalty and Steve Taylor. Um, And then 4,000 was a three-all draw against Swindon Town, which I vaguely remember. Uh, mm. March 1999, Mark Fish, Klaus Jensen and Ida Goodjonsson.
2: What a, what a trio of players that is. What
1: a trio of players. Yeah, that was something. They scored a lot of goals. I, th- I think that team is is one of the forgotten ones, the 98-99 the one. Mm. There were was, was so many good players in that team, but because of what happened at the end of the season and, and it was kind of the transitional you know big sam came in afterwards and got all the the plaudits you know the quality of that team sometimes gets overlooked
2: yeah um that was yeah i remember i was there at the the playoff final against the uh, watford um i watched the highlights back of that i think sky showed it a few weeks ago and good johnson didn't have missed some chances in that final mm. uh, to mm. say how good of a player he was but um but yeah, it's. Um, I mean, what so that's twenty-three years. So I wonder. Hopefully, I guess the amount of times we spent in the Premier League. But if we don't get back to the Premier League, the, the next thousand games will come a few years earlier than what yeah, the this about time. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I wonder where we are. We'll be when we play our six thousandth game.
1: Good grief! We'll be about four thousand episodes deeper than the buff. <laughs> It'd be, we'd be two holographs. It won't be a podcast anymore. it will just be us being beamed into a, a holograph, like like when they're playing chess on Star Wars. It'd just be me and you yeah. just rabbiting on about the Intergalactic League.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Who knows? Who knows? Um, have we got any more headlines?
2: Yeah, this was the last one. This was on Sunday, I think. This is I was seeing this on social media, and it made me smile. Big Sam uh, got to manage Ricardo Garner one last time, and he's, uh, it was actually interesting afterwards. He... He he said that the club should have should have um, given tricky Ricky a, uh, a a a testimonial, and there's a few other players as well that could probably look mm. and go. Well, we we should have had one.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a sad one, really, because certainly in Bibby's case, he was he d- he did his ten years, didn't he? He was eleven years, I mm. think, at, at Bolton Wanderers by the time he left, and it was literally a case of the club saying, "Well, we'll do it." But you know you have to kind of organise it. It has to be something. It it isn't an easy thing to do. Now when Yussi did his, he established a committee of people. People like Andrew Dean, um, Gordon Sharrock as well from uh, my predecessor. He helped out. Um, you know other 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 folk who were about at the time, and and they kind of drove it for him. So he managed to do it quite well, and and obviously gave all his money away to charity. People like Kev Davis would have been qualified. Yeah. Um, David Wheater was very, very close as well. I think I think he was very close to doing ten years. I, it's a shame. I think sometimes you know the the state of the club has to be taken into consideration. The way that things finished for, for Kev, unfortunately, w- wasn't the greatest. He hadn't, you know he'd fallen out with the manager and and things were, were difficult at the end. The state of the club for for Wheats, when he left, I mean, it was barely here um and 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 bibby maybe he, he left his last before his last game of course he got a red card at swansea mm. and he had been out of the team for quite a while after that so i think sometimes it depends on where you're at when you when you get to that stage but i, I, I don't disagree with sam i think maybe the club should look at that maybe in the future it would be lovely to see him out there again and and you know recognised for for the service he, he did give um you know I, I'm not I'm not one of these that say you are automatically you you must get one at 10 years because the money that players got at that, it, it's, it was a kind of a legacy isn't it of the time where players weren't paid absolute astronomical fees but obviously people like Davis and, and Gardner did get paid well they, they were in a, a Premier League era um, so it would be a more charity thing than anything else but it, it even still I would I would like to see that happen. Um, Bibby I mean he arrived before Premier League really before Bolton's Premier League era didn't he it was Colin Todd that signed him
2: Yeah I, I loved Ricardo Garner I thought he was a like I, as a 10 year old in the North Berry Junior League I had the yellow pumas uh, that he used to wear Um <laughs> Which I, that was young enough then to to be able to wear them and not get cropped. You know, like if I was yeah. a tw- if I was twenty wearing them, I think I'd have had a few challenges coming on me. But um, but no, he was yeah, he was a top player, and, and I think Sam said as well that he never caused anyone any trouble, and he, he got that feel as a fan, you know. And I thought he was a very underrated. Maybe that sort of ninety nine team. I don't think he was underrated because he came in and and did very well. But I think as as time went on, and especially under the the big Sam, you know, when we we're in the Premier League, and the mm-hmm. fact that he transitioned into a left back and did it very well, I thought he was a very underrated player. He he, he played majority of the games, um, and uh, but I've got to say, for my memory of Ricardo Garner, he he suddenly went from scoring about six or seven a season to he's shooting <laughs> towards the end of his time at Bolton. He worrying. scored, yeah, he scored against Middlesbrough about a goal where I I think they they got relegated just after it at home, and we um, there were a lot of rubbish on the pitch. I remember like Chris packets. But um, anyway, I thought other than that, his shooting became dreadful. <laughs> so I don't know what had happened there. But but he was still a consistent good player, and I think uh, yeah, for a lot of Bolton fans, they've got a soft spot for Ricardo Garner. So I think if if the club did something, I I don't know whether a testimonial would be the right thing to do, considering he's not played for us in twelve years, but you know even just a a dinner or you know something some acknowledgement of his mm. time at bolton i thought i think would be very good no
1: it would be nice it would be nice i remember the day that he left and he was he he was nice enough to invite me up to his house me and dan from the media department to bolton and we went to do an interview with him and the the movers were literally packing up around us he had nothing left and he's like I, I i can't even get you a drink and he, and he had some almond milk in the fridge now i'd never even heard of almond milk at that point in time you know veganism was barely a thing mm-hmm. um and uh and he, he gave me some almond milk it was lovely turned me on to almond milk from there on af- afterwards right. um, first time i'd ever have it had it but uh yeah it, you could tell you could tell he was so sad to be saying goodbye at that point in time he'd lived a long time in that house uh you know his kids had grown up and and all that sort of stuff um in Bolton and he you know he'd, he'd obviously been a, a kid virtually when he turned up as well so it was um it was lovely he was a really nice guy and he's back now his, his son is in Manchester City's academy which is why he's, he's living in Manchester and uh, he's back on the scene so hopefully we'll see a little bit more of him around Bolton it'd be nice to see him at a few games and and uh See what he thinks of the latest crop. I think.
2: Yeah, I bet he's a fan of Conor Bradley. I'll tell you that. He's yeah. a farmer winger himself. I'll
1: tell you what, Prime Bibby as a left
2: wing back in that team. Oh yes. I mean, I, I still stand by. Dude, in that time, there were no one quicker than him in the Premier League. He was yeah. the fastest player we've we've had ever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. His knees, obviously went through a bit of a battering but uh, yeah I can't uh, I can't disagree with that Um, right let's move on let's move on the postman only rings twice but this week he's going to leave his emails behind the blue wheelie bin in case you're wondering is that Philip Moraish? the whole Side! Yes, it's the time of the week where we read out your emails. Please keep on sending them to thebuffmail at gmail.com. Love reading what you've got to say. And I love what reading what you've got to say about what we've already said as well. Keep it going. It's a cyclical thing. But anyway, that's that applies to our first email from Chris. Um, Chris Dawson, friend of the show, who heard what we were talking about last week about the Charlton goal, the mystery, the mystery goal alert. Um, so I'll just read this one for us uh, good morning he says I write this as I listen to the latest buff I have a very high quality product I think you'll find I uh, the, the finest on the market sir mm-hmm. um, I write uh, sorry, right um, to your points around the Morley goal at Charlton I was one of the 1.5 K wanderers down at the valley where there were no green Giants to be seen anywhere um, and he witnessed this biblical moment of free kick audacity he says. Um I was also stood with the thogs, Dad and Den. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> uh, <bold Thogden>. head. <laughs> right. Ah yes, I see. I did I read that one like Thug Den? Oh yeah, I see. No, I get it. <laughs> um yes. Um He says, the celebration delay, this was caused by the ball hitting the post and then rolling behind the frame of the Charlton keeper before nestling in the opposite corner. Looking at it straight on from 100 yards away, given the notoriously low quality of delivery of BWFC set pieces, it was a combination of obscurity of view and sheer disbelief. That explains why uh, the celebration was so delayed and why I seem to be halfway through my tweet by the time that the bolton fans realized it was in the net um point two though this one's the interesting one approximately 15 seconds before dion charles's winner Thog senior aka thug dad and his brother received a score update via mobile telephony he's assuming it was 3g to say that we were leading 2-1 and they were laughing about it is it a murdoch conspiracy sky versus i follow etc only then did big vic cut a swathe down the right flank Sexy Kieran lobbed one to the Charlton box for Johnny Bravo, A.K.A. Kyle Dempsey, to deftly cushion a header onto the awaiting volley shape of King Charles. He wants me to sing the the on Charles song. I'm not going to do that. Um, oh, how we laughed again! Uh, snorts and snot bubble inducing laughter. Incredible. So it's it's basically Thogdad. Thogdad is able to predict Bolton Wanderers goals, which I think is quite a, quite a feat.
2: It is, and uh, yeah, that family of are obviously doing very well on YouTube. Maybe they're getting some insider knowledge. Uh, just like, is. I do remember a few years ago, I think it was the, it was the championship season after we just stayed up and uh, the the uh, Anderson's son um, told Fogden what the fixtures was and he revealed he'll be playing West Brom before it got announced. I don't know if you remember that, but maybe it's uh, something like that.
1: yes well that's a lesson in embargoes for you ladies and gents just in case you're wondering um yes the 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 lucky few do get to see the uh the results of the fixtures rather about an hour before they come out Uh, but that's just so we can actually get graphics and all that kind of stuff sorted um they're not supposed to go to youtubers and that's a lesson on how not to run a football club anyway let's move on uh let's move on quicker Dear Mark and Henry, this one's from Colin. Firstly, can I congratulate the supporters' trust on an excellent AGM meeting the other night in which we got to speak with Ian Evatt and Neil Hart, posting some, posing some valid questions to them on the running of the team in the club. I applaud both of them for answering questions as best and openly as possible, even though Ian's face, when the name Tobias Phoenix was mentioned, said more than he ever could. Um... I'd like to ask you both what you thought. Ian's claim that he turned down two jobs, three jobs, it was, um, in the Championship last summer. I'm not disputing the pull of the Mighty Bolton Wanderers, by the way. Keep up the great podcasts, says Colin. So, one of the things that Ian Evans said is that he turned down three Championship jobs last summer. Henry, your, your immediate reaction?
2: Uh, well, it doesn't surprise me. I think, naturally, if you... If you're in the Championship and you're looking at an up-and-coming manager, which, as he pointed out in the AGM, he still is, despite the fact he's had five years in it, Um, and you're looking for someone who plays good football, you're looking for someone who has has built a team, then you'd look at Ian Everett. And uh, I'm surprised, actually, that his name hasn't been mentioned more um, when opportunities have come up in the championship not publicly anyway so it doesn't surprise me one bit i think they were um what's the rumors of blackburn um before dal thomason maybe or, or, or maybe i'm getting there, uh, are only a maybe... Few, there are only
1: a few jobs knocking around qpr like ready
2: yeah. one, i suppose yeah i might be getting confused with the dapple athelin stuff but uh, but again that wouldn't surprise me he's, he's in the area um so yeah i think that it yeah i but sometimes you look at these jobs in the Championship, and we've said it before, and we actually said it, speaking of Dapo last year when he was linked with Cardiff, it's like, well, as a manager especially, you know, Ian Everett, he's is clearly working with people he likes. He's clearly we're clearly working at a club that's on the up. So, you know, he's got, you know, I think if we didn't get promoted this year... And then we we started last year, next year and we're mid-table. I think he's got enough credit in the bank to go to another club mm. if they wanted him. Um, so I think, yeah, for him, he might as well stay where he is, get Bolton in the Championship, rather than move into a, a Blackpool, for, instance, for example, mm. who are in a relegation battle. Because, as we saw with Bolton and with Barrow, he needs time to, to settle. And he'll know that as well. He'll know that his style of play isn't straight away. So you'll need time to settle. So mid-season going to a going to a club who's in a relegation battle probably isn't for the best.
1: Well, you summed it up right now. I've, I might I might well have changed my point. I was going to say that it, it kind of it, it's very easy sometimes to to lose yourself in the words of it. Now, do I think that Ian Everett was said here is the job at three championship clubs last. Someone, no I don't what I think is probably the case almost certainly is that Ian Evans agent um, or even Ian himself will have been approached by whoever is working on behalf of three different championship clubs and said listen you know what do you think this is the way this this is the way that it works and this is because think clubs don't like leaving fingerprints they don't like going up to you know Billy from and saying do you do you want the job? No. And then that becomes a story. Turn down the job. Suddenly the job becomes less of a...
2: a less attractive. A less yeah. attractive,
1: exactly. So this is what happens. So that's 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 the way. That's my reading of it anyway, that, that maybe uh, some conversations were had. Do you fancy it? No, not really. I'm, I'm on a better thing. What you said there is exactly right. I think what, what Ian Everett's got at Bolton Wanderers. But, you know, he actually owns the place in a, <laughs> to a small degree. Um, you know, he's he's built he's built enough credit in the bank with Bolton fans. He's he's he knows the club inside out now. He's he's worked to a point. Do I think there are jobs out there that he would take? In my heart of hearts, yes, I do. I I'm, I, I don't wish to be um, too alarmist, but I think the idea that he would turn down every job in the championship is wrong. Um, because he's an ambitious guy, I don't think you should ever expect that of anything. But do I think he would be actively pushing for other stuff? I don't think he would do. I think he's happy where he's happy doing this and taking to the Bolton to the next level. If, as you just mentioned there, Bolton were to, you know, not finish the season in the successful way they wanted to, and maybe over the summer there'd be interesting questions to be asked about the churn of the team and the the out of contract players maybe then the ch- maybe then things change maybe then you know he's 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 looking around and thinking well do you know do I want to do this again and and, and risk it but I, I don't know i don't know i i know for a fact that he's happy now um he's got he's got the club pretty much where he wants it there are challenges if they go into the championship big ones and we'll talk about them hopefully when it happens um uh, that's something for further down the line but i think um I think right now you you enjoy the football, you enjoy the fact uh, you've got a, a unique manager at the helm, and one who appears to be wanted elsewhere as well. So that's that's all great.
2: Yeah, it's uh, you know I think he's I, I like Ian Ever as Bolton's manager probably, probably after Big Sam, he's my second favorite manager. Owen Coyle potentially in that first eighteen months, but. Um, you know, for I think he he talks well. He make I think he's he's very ambitious. I like the way he manages. I love the way we play football. And I know it's easy for me to say that now. And uh, if we lose the next three games, people will be listening back to this and going, "I don't know what's Henry talking about." But like, I, I think we we've got a good thing going on, and I, I really like Ian Abbott uh, as our manager. And uh, it you know one day he will leave, and I, I will be disappointed when he does, but. And you hope that the club have a contingency plan. But, um, you know, I think what they've done in giving him a bit of, you know, a few shares is very smart. Because I think it it, then, again, he's got that emotional attachment to the club. He wants, you know, he again, he says, I don't want to put this club into trouble. Well, if he's got a few shares in it, he wants the club to go as far as they can. So he gets more of a return. (laughs) And putting the club into administration is not going to be in his interest.
1: That's a fair point, fair point. Another person who's got shares in the club is Neil Hart, of course. He was talking about that, talking about how smart a move it was from Sharon and to protect, uh, you know, wanted assets. And uh, what do you make of... of, We've we've talked about Neil Hart uh, not necessarily always uh, courting favour with the Bolton fans. He's had to make some very big calls. Not all of them have been popular. Um... But he was very forthright. If nothing else, at the AGM, he's not worried about talking about stuff that's not necessarily popular. He uh, he doesn't seem to be hiding anything. That's surely a, a big plus point.
2: Yeah, I I quite like that actually. And I know he can rub people up the wrong way. And I know a lot of fans, especially the bus thing, have been upset. But again, I I, I don't know. I quite like that he's he's honest with it. You know, and he says that he says you know like when they asked him about what's the club doing to be sustainable i think he could have given an answer going oh yeah well we're going to do this we're going to do that and he actually just went i'll be honest with you we've not had the time to look at it but we will do so i thought well fair enough you know like yeah i guess you don't get caught out do you when you 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 are truthful um so yeah i, I don't i don't mind that to be honest
1: not doing anything at all to help the environment they they are quite literally capturing dolphins and just swinging them around and, and, and they <laughs> They're using as many uh, bin bags as they can do, like just throwing oil around like nobody's business. It's incredible how little they're doing for the environment. But anyway. It
2: is. Um, I mean, if one of those dolphins can play at fullback, then uh, I don't mind (laughs) that.
1: There's been time where two or three of them could have got into the team, believe us. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Uh, Right, well, before the buff next hits the airwaves, we've actually got two games. So that's a double set of predictions. Bring it on. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Yep. Okay. So the big one this week. Bolton have got Peterborough on Saturday. They have got MK Dons on Tuesday. Pointless trying to pick the game, uh, the team for MK Dons. But fingers crossed. There's no injuries. Catcher mm. will be back for that game. By the way, um, the the game on Saturday. How does the back? five shape up for you, which you obviously got to make one change because Bradley's out. Do you put Isgrove in at right wing back or do you put Getting Jones there? Or something else?
2: I think you put Isgrove there and then Isgrove I don't think would play a full game so then that's where you can put Jones over and put Mbete maybe in in mm. in the uh, the back three. But again you've you've got to be careful making changes in the back three. So I, I would still do that, see how long his growth can go for. Um I mean he'll either do that or he'll he'll save his growth for maybe the MK Don's game, uh, mm-hmm. where he might not be tracking back as much and we will play Jones at right back and M- Mbete in there. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the Santos Clark Harris duel part two.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, it uh, it was a bit of a heavyweight clash, isn't it? I'm speaking to Rico in in a couple of hours, as it turns out, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he makes of that one. It was a, a great watch when they played at the Uniball earlier early this season. I think you know that the way Peterborough they they're quite they're quite big hitting. They've got some powerful players up there, and I do wonder whether or not it's worth you know putting Jones out on that right hand side. Mbete is a bigger lad. He's centre-half, left-sided. It, it may actually improve things slightly and go the opposite way to what you said there and, and bring Gisgrove on towards the end as a more attacking option. Um, I think possibly that's the way I go. Otherwise, would you would you touch anything about the team? Would you change anything about the team?
2: Um, I probably wouldn't, no. I think they've had a week off as well. If we'd have played on Tuesday, then maybe. But no, I think having a... I mean, I'd show up front, um, yeah, again, give him another game, hopefully he can get a goal. Dion Charles would do what Dion Charles does. Um, and yeah, you you then look at the midfield and think, I, I, I think I think maybe he might play Lee as a bit of experience instead of short tyre, yeah, and then bring short tyre on. That's probably maybe a, a change I'd make, but... You know, it depends how he wants to play. If he wants to go for it, then, yeah, play short tyre and, and really run at that defence. But if he wants to just, you know, make sure that we're a bit more solid um, than Lee, because, I mean, if you remember the Barnsley game, similar game, and Lee ran the show, so, you know. Mm, yeah,
1: I, I, it's a good shout, that actually. It's very similar to the Barnsley one. So, I, I, I'm going with that. I'm going with Kieran Lee in the midfield, swapping short tyre out. Um, I also think that Cameron Jerome might come back in on the Tuesday night uh, game, I think he needs to start uh, before the Accrington game, where he's almost certain to start, I suppose, with the lack of options that Bolton have got. But, um, mm. yeah, I just wonder whether or not uh, Cameron Jerome will be expecting to start games, you know, some games at least, um, having come in um, in January. But uh, what do you reckon as far as score on Saturday?
2: Um, I think it'll be, you know... I. I i Peter Peter won the first three hundred Darren Ferguson. I don't win the, I don't think they'll win the first four. So I think it'll be a I think it will be nil nil. Although I would love us to uh to you know, I, I mean I'd love us to put a performance in like Barnsley, to be honest. But I think for Bolton, if if we can win this, there's a chance we could go third, funnily enough. Mm. But if we win this, I think it'll be a massive marker for where we are because that'll then I mean it'll put us It'll put us more Peterborough Peter have three games in hand on us and it'll put us more than nine points ahead of him. So I think it'll be a massive marker for what we want to do if we can win. Should I worry for your safety if Bolton beat Peterborough? <laughs> uh, no, I can I can, like so I'm a I'm a guest of Darren McAnthony's on oh, Saturday. Sorry, another
1: you... hospitality package. Sorry, just 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 <laughs> run that by me
2: again. Uh yeah, so um, I will be there, and I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I'll be, uh, yeah, I'll probably bump into Barry Fry, and by the end of the game, be uh, my ears will be bleeding. <laughs> um, but uh, but as a farmer wanderer, you never know. You might have a soft spot for us, and might not mind. But um, yeah, I would, I, I would love us to win. I, to be honest, in that situation, a draw probably won't be the worst result. Maybe a nil-nil. So I'm not putting myself in that position when you, you're getting up and cheering. But um, but yeah, I think. Uh, i know I, I think i mean peterborough's peter isn't it i don't Peterborough don't really have a reputation for being uh the the roughest club in the world
1: no no um i i'm with you i i, I was gonna say nil nil but for for posterity's sake just to be different i'll say one one uh but i do fancy a draw i have to say and i think that'd be a good draw given all the circumstances and the injuries yeah. and the suspensions i think that would be a good draw um Tuesday on Valentine's Day, however, I'm going to be spending my Valentine's Day, not uh, not with Miss Styles, but in a press box with uh, a bloke, a uh, couple of blokes either side of me. So um, very different uh, kind of approach this year. Uh, Trev might bring me uh, some some chocolates, Trev Baxter. Um, don't know, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But. I quite fancy Bolton beating MK Dons. But MK Dons have been hot and cold this... Well, mostly cold, if if truth be told. Um, but not really the same teams they were last year. And certainly the type of team that Bolton do well against now.
2: Yeah, and I, to be fair to him, I don't think they're the team that we beat earlier in the season as well. I think they have improved. Yes, they have. Um, Mo Ice is back, who just is a pest against Bolton. What I remember <laughs> last year, he just... Uh, but... Um, I, I do f I think we'll win. I think we're against that type of team at home, you know, the teams at the bottom, we do tend to win, so I think we'll I think it'll be um, yeah, I, I think the way they play, I don't I don't see them being a a Cheltenham or a Burton, you know, where they 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 waste they'll waste no. time obviously. They'll come and love a point. But I think we'll you know, I, I think it'll be two 0 I think we'll get an early goal. Hopefully unlike Forest Green we won't get a man sent off this time and have to defend for the rest of the game. But I think we'll uh, I think we'll then get a second and it'd be comfortable.
1: Yeah, they've got Oxford at the weekend. Very, very big weekend of games in League mm. One, by the way. It's maybe just worth having a look at a couple of them because Ipswich have got Sheffield Wednesday. That's that's massive. Um you've got Plymouth against Portsmouth, Bolton are playing against Peterborough, and then Derby have got to go to Wickham as well. So this really I mean <laughs> Every week we say it's a big weekend. Every week we say it's a big one for Bolton. But if Bolton could get three points at Peterborough on a week where everybody seems to be playing each other, it's it, it's almost worth more, isn't it? So, oh, good grief. Throw your sleeves up, boys. We need it this week. Um, yeah. Very much so. Very much so. OK, right. Well, in honour of Cheltenham Town and their uncanny ability to slow down the space-time continuum... Um, our resident buff Beethoven Simon Woods has composed a time wasting tune to play us out this week, so uh, we'd have to uh, we'd have to re- do chapter and verse. We won't be listening to the buff podcast theme tune for a second time, um, and it leaves us with not a lot to do, to, but to say kind of like "tara," I suppose. Make sure you uh, join us again next week for a. I don't know, what, Pancake Day special? What? Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, no. Do, well, do, you, think you, do well, you think you'd be able to eat any pancakes having gorged yourself at the teat of hospitality uh, for two games running, Henry?
2: <laughs> yes. Short answer. I will be able to find room for that, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, well, there we go. That's, uh,
1: uh, broken Britain, games gone, all that sort of stuff. Um, until next time, I've been Mark... Uh, just probably a little slab of lasagna and a cup
2: of tea aisles. And I've been Henry. Pass me the prawn sandwich, Hewitt. Take it away, Simon. The game of association
0: football should be 47 minutes long. Time wasting a football crime. Time wasting, I did awful time. Not enough. Take a throw. Space, place a free kick, knock it away, walk to get it at a slow pace.